Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Hey, man, thank you for listening to my interview with Sathya Sam. He has been on the podcast multiple times before, and today we're talking about a topic that is really important at this time of year. It's the holidays, which I like to call, it's the most triggering time of the year. So, gentlemen, there are going to be some really difficult situations coming up, especially if you're visiting family. You might even go back to the house or the bedroom where you were first exposed to porn. It's really common for Christmas time and the holiday season to be a cesspool of stagnation. This episode is going to give you what you need to stay in a good place over the holidays because you're going to need more than just health. You're going to need emotional fitness. And that's why Sathya and I are talking about this. It's really good stuff. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Husband Material. Today, I'm welcoming back my friend Sathya Sam, founder of Deep Clean, author of The Last Relapse, and a speaker at our upcoming conference, The Porn Free Man. Welcome back, Sathya. Always a pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Today, we're talking about emotional fitness, which is not the same as emotional health. Why are you so passionate about this? This whole concept is probably what leveraged some of my re, uh, recovery attempts more than anything else. So I think I think for me, um, I'm passionate about it because we've heard emotional intelligence talked about before, emotional health. We kind of know these well-being terms in the emotional arena, but I think emotional fitness is a little bit overlooked. And so for me, I'm just excited to talk about it because I know it can help a lot of people. I know it changed my life personally, and we teach it to a lot of the people we work with. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to dive into it a little bit with your audience today. So what was your story of going from emotional ignorance and hard heartedness? <laughs> yeah, so it definitely came from a deficiency uh, and a need. So I, I grew up in a very conservative Christian Indian home. And all of those elements are important for different reasons. The conservative Christian part being that, you know, how you feel doesn't matter. And, you know, it's just about having the mind of Christ and thinking the right thoughts and you just do it because you do it. Uh, the Indian component is sort of, we don't talk about emotions. Emotions are messy and we take offense at each other's emotions. So it's just better that we don't go there. So don't feel, uh, you know, that was kind of the underlying message from, you know, a variety of angles in my upbringing. And I could actually live under those conditions really well. Like you can actually do okay when you suppress emotions for a while, right? You don't have to, it's great. You don't have to feel the feels. Uh, you can be involved in relationships at a very cerebral level. There's not a lot of risk of being heard or risk of being rejected. So that was sort of the paradigms that I operated with. And, um, and it really didn't play much into my decision-making or my life. I didn't think it was a problem until uh, probably my later adolescent years, early 20s, where it's like, huh, don't really have a lot of meaningful relationships in my life. Um, I feel kind of envious about people that do. I don't understand what they're doing that I'm not because people like me. It's not like I was a bad person. And... I care about people, you know, like I wasn't like some cold, hard-hearted person, 
but I really just had no sense of engaging emotionally because to me, that made me incredibly vulnerable. You know, the Latin origin of the word vulnerable is woundable. And that was, that was it. It was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be woundable, right? Like that was so scary. And, um, and so that was, that's kind of a bit of my journey on what eventually led me to this place of like, man, I, I really need some help in this area. And how did that relate to some of your sexual struggles? Man, I, it was everything. I, I think even when I reflect back, like uh, I've shared this on this podcast before, I got exposed to porn in the computer lab of my Christian school when I was 11. And I, I can just imagine that if I would have had even a little bit of emotional security in my life to talk about or to at least be able to try to identify how I felt about the situation, it's not to say that nothing would have ever developed, but it is to say I would have at least been a little bit more close to the situation. Like, it sounds weird, but like my, my porn addiction was so distant from, from me because I had created such a separation between that, that world. Like you compartmentalize and you kind of somehow justify because like, oh, it's not that bad. It's just in this little compartment over here. But I think when you're emotionally alive, you can't do that. Certainly not to the same extent. There, there's, there's a connection there that you cannot negate. And I think that's, that's really like right at the origin of my exposure. Um, and from there on, I think this emotional component stopped me from really acknowledging the severity of what was going on, stopped me from getting more to the root of the solution. And we know how valuable, meaningful relationship is in recovery even. Um, and so I was I had basically isolated myself. I built a nice little emotional moat around my heart and it kept me stuck in my addiction for a really long time as a result. Absolutely. Being able to deal with our emotions, to navigate the scary, vulnerable terrain of what we're actually feeling is essential for outgrowing porn. Yeah. There's this great line from Pete Scazzaro. He says, you can't be spiritually healthy and emotionally unhealthy <laughs> or wow like, yeah yeah you can't become spiritually mature without also becoming emotionally mature yeah and i think the same thing applies sexually if you want to be sexually mature you have to become emotionally mature 100 percent. yeah well it's the it's the big lie that our society believes right which is that sex is primarily physical or only physical sometimes right and um, yeah, everything sexual is emotional in nature. Like our mutual friend, Andrew Bauman says that everything is sexual from, from day one, right? Day zero, everything is sexual. Um, and I think everything is, is emotional as well. Like those two are inextricably linked. Yeah. So if you had to simplify it, what are emotions? So for me, um, the best analogy I have is emotions are lights on a dashboard. And I'm sure your audience has heard this before. But for me, this concept was revolutionary because like I said, for me, emotions were scary. Emotions were, uh, to me, it was very binary. It was like either we suppress the emotions or, we, or we're drama queens. Like that was it, right? <laughs> so, so even like lights on a dashboard, when I had first heard that, I was like, oh, I can work with that. I can, I can deal with the light on the dashboard. It just feels so much more manageable, right? And I think the other reason that was helpful is um, realizing that emotions were kind of... Um, probably not quite the right phrasing, but they were, they were a means to an end. As in, it wasn't just about the emotion, it was about what it represented, right? And so I think uh, for me, that's that's what emotions are essentially. They're, they're lights on a dashboard and like th this is God's design. God, God gave us emotions as intel, 
they're, they're indicators, they're, they're pieces of information. It's a thread that we pull on to get a better understanding of our inner world and our inner life. And when they're not, when they're not threads, but, but instead it's like, oh, it's an emotion and, and therefore, you know, I'm mad. Therefore, my day is ruined. Therefore, I can never forgive that person. When they start to drive everything in our lives, then we actually, we actually violate God's original design, which was for us to, to be people who could make decisions, stay empowered, and simply use emotions to inform those decisions. I love that idea that we're meant to be in the driver's seat. Yeah. And our emotions don't have to be locked in the trunk. Yeah. <laughs> they can be in a passenger seat, an honored yeah. place where they get attention and love and they're allowed to interact with us. Um, yeah. Even though we do have boundaries around them. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that, that is a really good point. It's not, it's not, again, and I have to remind myself of this still even today. It's like, yeah, we don't put them in the trunk. We don't even put them in the back seat. Like they're in the passenger seat. They're still there with us. Like yeah. there's visibility, um, but it's just, it's just keeping them in the right order of priorities. Yes. One really helpful way to think about it that helps me is instead of battling my emotions or battling my sexual feelings i'm befriending my emotions and befriending wow, yeah. my sexual feelings yeah i love that and that that's exactly it. i think and again like you're you're making a great point like we can ally with these things um the emotions the feelings uh the temptations and there's so much strength in that like that's the mark of a man right like like what strength is there if you run away from the thing you're most afraid of there's nothing like what does it really say about you? But if you can really face your emotions head on, acknowledge them for what they are, which is lights on the dashboard, and then continue on as it were, that's a pretty powerful place to be. Yeah, that's a powerful place to be. And that's what I think you mean by emotional fitness, right? Rather than just emotional health. The physical element is going to give us a nice metaphor or contrast for the emotional component of this. Um it's one thing to be physically healthy, uh, which is something um, that I, I would say I've had for a very long time. I've always eaten pretty well. I've exercised on a regular basis, whether it was, you know, running or, um, you know, I used to go to the gym occasionally and whatever, but I've always prioritized my health. Um, and I would say there, there's never been a point where I wasn't relatively healthy. But this year, what I've really worked on is my fitness. And so um, I've wanted to add some muscle. I want to get stronger. And there's a conditioning that comes with that. There's a conscious exposure to resistance that comes with building your fitness. And on an emotional level, I think a lot of people are starting to embrace emotional health where it's like, yeah, I, I have a degree of self-care. Self -care. Um, I have some boundaries in place that protect me. And that is really, really good. I'm not, I mean, we're not going to fault anybody who's willing to take those measures in their life. But to me, emotional fitness is the next level. It's, it's where you are apt to respond to the conditions of life. Um, you know, for, for me, what it means now is if I have to lift a couch, uh, you know, let's say we're moving, I'm in a better position to do that. Whether I have to move a couch because we're moving or maybe I have to move a couch because my wife's in danger and I need to get that thing out of the way, I'm apt to respond. And that's the beauty of fitness. There's a conditioning component that comes with it. And the amazing thing is physically, you may have to go to the gym. You may have to get a gym pass. You may have to find some weights to actually build that physical fitness. But to cultivate emotional fitness, all you have to do is breathe. 
because life will give you plenty of opportunities for you to condition yourself, to condition your responses and to learn in the, in the heat of a moment, Ooh, I am really upset right now. I'm going to take a breath and I'm going to figure out how to use this situation to my advantage. I'm going to let it condition me to have a healthy response, not just now for this moment, but for future times when I catch myself in a similar position. So that's kind of the basis of emotional fitness. Yeah, what you said about breathing is so underrated. I mean, it's it's breathing is probably the easiest way that you can kind of grow in this area, right? Because it just it just keeps you in that position of what we were saying before. It keeps you in the driver's seat. Breathing is our superpower for self-regulation. Yeah. It floods our brain with oxygen. It plugs the prefrontal cortex back in. It's not a cure for everything, but it does give us a little bubble where we can make a decision on purpose. Yes. And and that is so critical when we are triggered, when we're dysregulated, when we're extremely sexually aroused, when we're feeling angry, ashamed, agitated, anxious, or even apathetic. Like breathing Breathing is so good for us. And we do it all the time, but not on purpose. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel like that is one of those really big priorities um, that's been helpful for me. And it's also helpful just to notice my breathing, like without becoming judgmental or even self-critical, just to notice like when you are feeling really emotional or when you're feeling really sexually charged, how much are you breathing? Is it flatlined? Yeah. Is it shallow? Oftentimes our, our chest constricts and we don't know how much better it'll feel when we can get some more space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I think the cool thing and, and even some of those examples you just listed is we get opportunities to do this every day. And like if you like to run with the breathing example, um, which is, is really strong, if you build a habit of like, Every time I, I I reach this threshold, whatever it is, or every time before I go into a meeting, I'm just going to do whatever. Great examples of what it means to actually build emotional fitness. It's just that regular conditioning of yourself to basically train a certain response in your brain, your mind, and your body uh, to the cares of life. Because we all know that from now until kingdom come, there's going to be temptations, there's going to be trials, there's going to be things that upset us or difficult situations, and we can leverage those. We can we can take advantage of those. We can see those as opportunities that present themselves and give us a chance to condition our responses. So Awesome. In one sentence, what is the difference between emotional health and emotional fitness? That's a great question. One sentence. Emotional fitness is being apt to respond to the circumstances of life regardless of what they might be i think health positions you to 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 be relatively prepared but to contrast my own example like a year ago if um if the house was on fire and i had to move some furniture to get out of the way i would probably be able to do it but not with the kind of ease that i could now and so fitness is that, it's that extra layer. So I just want to make it clear. If, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, Drew, bro, emotional health, you don't know how much work it took for me to get here. Like, like this was a huge accomplishment. It is. And so it's not, it's not to knock emotional health because that's, it's amazing. It's just to say fitness would be elevating that, taking things to the next level. 
That makes a lot of sense. You could be healthy and get by in seasons of relatively easy life circumstances. But when you get hit by a trigger tornado or a shame storm, yes, um, it's going to take more than that to stay free and to be able to make choices you're proud of. Yeah. And that to me, that is the mark of like real maturity in this process because, you know, we have people who come to us who da- daily it's a struggle, you know, and, and we're, we're just getting them kind of started on the journey. And then people reach a point where it's like, you know what, day to day, I'm actually, I'm in a pretty good place. But every time my boss does this, or I was actually doing really well, but then I we had this flare up with my in-laws or whatever. And that's kind of the next layer is like, I had this flare up, but I remembered what it was like last time, or I've, I've been here before. It wasn't the flare up with my in-laws last time. It was my boss. And I was still able to find my way through the situation. I, it wasn't the thing that excused me and said, oh, well, I've reached my limit and I'm just going to go have a quick session or whatever, um, to, to kind of get rid of the stress or alleviate the pain or whatever it might be. So that's that's exactly it. I, I love those terms, man. The trigger tornado shame storm. <laughs> that's exactly it. But those those are perfect metaphors, like perfect examples of like, yeah, if you can work your way through those, that's that's cultivating emotional fitness. Yeah. Because we have an enemy who is cunning. And it is always like the perfect storm. Yeah. At just the worst time that seems to hit every once yeah. in a while. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's the brilliance of God as well, right? Because God, God actually positions us and equips us to leverage these schemes of the enemy for our good, for our own good and our own benefit. And that, that's the power of emotional fitness. It's like, it's like everything is stacked against me. Like literally like, th- like this must be the, the enemy himself at work. But wow, what a great opportunity for me to become stronger and to position myself better so that his his attacks become weaker and weaker against me. Yeah. Let's talk about that. What does that look like? What makes emotional fitness so powerful is you're rising to the challenge, right? Like we're not backing down. We're not, we're not fleeing from the moment or fleeing from the opportunity. And so I think that perception is what really it starts with. It's like, this is something I'm going to use to leverage my recovery, to leverage my maturity, whatever it might be. On a more granular level, I think there's two elements to emotional fitness. And the first is labeling emotions, uh, something that we're going we're gonna to teach people really well as best as we can uh, when we get the chance to. And the other is defining thoughts. Um, but I'll give, I'll give people a little taste of what this looks like. The labeling emotions is very simple. It's the I feel. Um, and, you know, we, we use the feel wheel. That's what we're going to talk about more at the event. Um, but there's emotions charts. Um, you know, some people just have big glossaries or lexicons. There's tons of different ways that you can get the language out. And for me, Drew, this was, this was the major growth point. It sounds so simple, probably. But for me, this was like, whoa, there's other words than just saying I feel bad and mad and sad and glad, right? Like that was all I had in my arsenal. And this is what opened things up huge for me. And I'm, I'm very much into like language and, um, you know, that, that stuff just really speaks to my soul a lot more. And man, when I had the permission, but also the tools to label my emotions, that was a game changer. Like that's, that's where things really start to shift for me. 
So I think on a granular level, I would say this would be the first step is you're labeling emotions and you're defining thoughts. Awesome. So what, one thing I'll add to this, because um, I know we have a couple other things that we can mention if, if time allows for it, but um, including the Holy Spirit in this particular process is really powerful. And when I started out, like I said, I came in green, um, years of suppression and defenses that were built up against my own emotions. And so this would not be, this would be a good starting point. This would not necessarily be the end goal, but as a starting point, sometimes I just had to go, Holy spirit, what am I feeling? You know, cause I, I couldn't get there. I couldn't access it, but he could. And he could say, Sophia, this, this response, this is what, this is what it looks like to be infuriated. You're not just a little bit mad. Like you're in, you know what I mean? He would give me the language and it was like, yeah, that is how I feel. And it was really cool because there was a duality, right? Like he's helping me articulate it, but it's also really validating at the same time. And it's really powerful to bring the Holy Spirit into this process for that reason. And on the other side of it, defining thoughts as well. Um, man, there's no greater listener in the world than the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And that it's not just because he he's there and he has to hear you speak speak and pray because there's some sort of, you know, godly obligation, but it's that, it's that he responds, right? And he, he directs our thoughts and he gives us other things to think about or new angles. And he'll, you know, for me, he, he asks other questions. What do you mean by that? Or why do you feel that way? Right? Like there's a dialogue that's going on here that allows me to get crystal clarity on the emotions that I'm trying to label and the thoughts I'm trying to define. And so he's, he's kind of the, uh, he's the secret sauce of all this um, that really makes it come to life. Oh, it's so good. And we're actually going to do that together. Like we're going to take some time and you're going to facilitate a process where we include the Holy Spirit in a few workouts, some emotional fitness workouts together. Let's go. (laughs) At the Porn Free Man Conference. For me, and again, like I, I have a bias because I was so impacted by this process myself. But even in the clients that we work with, this is probably um, for people who are, if you've hit a wall in your recovery or you're just getting started and you're like, I don't know if I'm ready to be part of husband material community quite yet because being in a community sounds a little bit scary, but you want to at least just get the ball rolling and get started a little bit. This is one of the easiest ways to do it. And it just start, it's just you and God, right? Like you can start there. Um, and we all, we obviously know like when this takes full fruition, it's going to develop into more of a communal aspect as well, but it's a really good starting point. And then again, like just because God is so great at coming up with solutions and directing us, if you've hit a wall, you know, maybe you're, you're in the community and you're plugged in and you're getting tons out of it, but you've hit a wall. Um, this is going to help you get past that as well. Yeah. It's going to teach you how to be with your emotions. Yeah. Instead of being overwhelmed by them, or being intimidated by them, or just being controlled by them unconsciously. Instead of being infuriated, I can be with the infuriation. Right. What a difference. Yes. And then maybe even inviting God to be with my infuriated feelings. Yeah. That is such a different approach than constantly fighting a battle. And that's what surprises people is they're like, oh, I didn't like, I think sometimes it, depending on what your image of God is, I suppose, growing up for me, certainly that was the part that surprised me the most was God was like, it wasn't like, why do you feel infuriated? You shouldn't feel that way. It was like, 
Why do you feel infuriated? Tell me more. Right? Like there's just a curiosity, but there was no angst on his part. Not that God would ever have angst anyway, but th- he wasn't, he wasn't intimidated by my emotions. And that was, that was revolutionary for me because I think whether it was true or not, that was certainly my perception of my parents growing up was that the emotion, the emotional part of me was too much. It was just easier to kind of shut off and suppress. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's very liberating when you get that kind of just, he's there with you in it. You know, it's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah, it allows us to feel and experience God with us rather than just believing it or knowing it in our heads. Exactly. And the way I understand it, becoming emotionally fit means choosing to be present to those things even when I don't have to be. Like, right. Even if there's not an emergency that I'm trying to respond to, like, I'm going to move toward the thing that I'm afraid of or the thing that I'm actually feeling so that when there is an emergency, I'm prepared, right? Yeah, that's the hardest part about this. Like uh, to to bring the physical fitness example in again, um, the goal for me is I'm at the gym three to four times a week. But when my wife and I were traveling in Europe for a few weeks in the summer, that was pretty hard. And you know, we we brought some bands with us so we could do workouts from the hotel rooms or whatever. Uh, we got a few day passes at gyms. You What you're trying to do is you're trying to just put in the reps regularly, even when you don't have to, so that when the challenges come, you're prepared. That's what that's what the conditioning is. It's It's consciously conditioning yourself when you don't have to, so that when it is required, you're good to go. That's so huge. Because oftentimes, when we're in the middle of a trigger tornado or a shame storm, we just give up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is just too hard. But with those reps, with that conditioning, it can become easier. Not that yeah. it will ever be fully easy and not that you or I have totally mastered this so that there's no storm that could take me out. In fact, uh, there are some storms I'm facing right now that are testing my limits and I'm not always proud of the decisions I'm making day to day. Um, yeah, But the reality is, as life is getting harder, I'm also growing and getting stronger. And unless we're growing and getting stronger, life's just going to keep getting harder. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. And that that's the whole point. That was one of the things that um, that kind of forced me even down this path because it was like, right, if I live to be in my 80s, let's say I have a, you know, a relatively good life. That's another, you know, early 20s. That's another six decades of emotions, right? And challenges in life. They're not going away. So I either have to get better at handling them or I'm going to get worse, right? Those are kind of my two options. It's not like it's not like you can just kind of stay as you are and everything should be fine, right? Yeah. So this ability to handle big emotions, to label them, to define thoughts, to include the Holy Spirit in this process is a skill you can take with you for the rest of your life, for the rest of 2023 and hopefully much more. So it just makes me smile to think that hundreds of men are going to get together to talk about how we feel. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's kind of funny. It's funny, isn't it? You know, um, as you were talking, I was actually thinking of a, of a story that I've actually, I think I shared this on my newsletter and you respond. I remember us talking about this and it, it might be a good example because I, I wouldn't mind casting a bit of vision for what it looks like. Um, 
and not to say that I've made it and I've achieved it. This is an area I'm certainly growing in, but this was certainly a, a glowing example, one that I'm proud of where I, I, I was able to demonstrate this. So um, I mentioned that before I, I kind of got more into the gym this year, uh, I was more about running and that sort of thing. So one day I was going for a run in our neighborhood and we had just bought this house. And so I was getting familiar with the area and we have some really nice trails and we're by the by the water. And so just enjoying God's creation and enjoying this new area that that we're living in. And um, I was going down this path kind of a, a little bit away from like uh, the park, uh, going down this path. And um, there's just this random collect. It looked like somebody just emptied their living room onto the path. It was really strange. So it just naturally caught my attention. I go over to it. Um, I'm like, oh, this is weird. It kind of, I think, I think maybe there was like a little homeless encampment at some point because it was just a riffraff of things and some clothes and whatever. And then there were some magazines. I was like, oh, that's weird. And I look a little bit more closely and it's a stack of Playboy magazines. And I'm thinking to myself, this is like near a park. There's kids that play here. And I'm the founder of Deep Clean. Like, I need to do something about this. But then the other side of me is like, but that's a stack of Playboy magazines. Like, like, do I do you play with fire? Right? Like, it's that kind of it's that kind of dance you're trying to evaluate. And I think at an earlier season of my recovery journey, I probably would have just carried on, just knowing that. It would be better for my fingers to not even touch the pages of those magazines. But um, I, I had a moment and I thought, I, I'm pretty sure I could handle at least carrying these to the garbage can. So I collect them. Um, thank God the covers themselves are not terribly revealing. So I got, you know, I got my hand on there so that I'm not actually seeing anything. I'm holding the stack of magazines and then I'm looking around and Drew, I cannot see a gar- I'm like, we're at a park. Surely there's a garbage can nearby. I can't see anything. And so, but I'm like, I'm kind of committed now, right? And so I'm walking and and each step, I'm just like, Jesus, please let there be a garbage can somewhere, you know, because because as much as like, I would like to be like, yeah, I, I held my composure. I didn't feel a, a lick of temptation. That that really wasn't the case. That was legitimately tempting. Um, but to me, this is, this is what fitness is, right? And um, I say that with a word of caution. It's not permission to just go expose yourself to whatever because you're going to build your emotional fitness. Um, but sometimes th- you find yourself in these situations where it was like, I, I probably had to walk for about a solid kilometer, honestly, before I got a garbage can. But what a cool moment. With each step, it was just like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the freedom you give me. Lord, thank you that I can actually prevent kids from seeing this kind of content. God, whoever's, whoever this belonged to, I pray they would find the truth, you know, just leveraging these moments and using them to fortify that strength within um, that, that is the mark of, that's the mark of freedom, right? That's like, that's the mark of outgrowing porn. That's the mark of emotional fitness. It's being able to look at your temptress in the face and still hold your ground. And so that's what guys can expect when they start to apply this stuff. I love that story so much. (laughs) So Thea, we are coming up on the end of December which is historically a difficult time for men who are becoming porn-free. Why is emotional fitness important, maybe especially at this time of year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a great example of, I, I know that Christmas is a mixed experience for people. Some people love it. It is the most wonderful time of the year. For some people, it's the most triggering time of the year, as you said, right? And um, regardless, it is an opportunity. 
And I think that would be my encouragement for your listeners who are kind of dreading it. Um, this is actually a great opportunity for you to start flexing those emotional fitness muscles a little bit. How can you leverage the challenges, not to be like a, um, you know, uh, oversimplistic optimist about things, but just how do you leverage those moments as they come, as you do feel triggered, as somebody says something that brings that emotion up or whatever it is, how do you make the most of that and condition yourself to have a healthy response? We talked a little bit about breathing, labeling the emotions, defining the thoughts. This is prime, a prime time for you to start practicing some of this stuff. Yeah. And I love that language saying that this is an opportunity yeah. This is not just a threat. This is not just a, a trigger tornado. This is a chance to practice what we're talking about. Yes, 100%. So when you're traveling and you see someone who triggers you, or when you're alone in an unfamiliar bedroom feeling especially lonely, but not even realizing that you're lonely, that is the perfect time to remember this episode and what we were talking <laughs> about with breathing and labeling emotions and even inviting the Holy Spirit into this process. Yeah, exactly. So Thea, what is your favorite thing about emotional fitness? The empowerment that comes from it. Like, like we were saying, like there's no power when you have to run away from something. There's no strength there. We all kind of inherently know that. So that's the first layer is like, that's maybe emotional health. It's like, wow, I can embrace my emotions and this isn't so scary. And this is actually really helpful. And I'm becoming a more whole and integrated man. But what's cool about fitness, emotional fitness is for me, it means that like, I can encounter a difficult situation. Um, I can be, you know, I don't know, watching TV and something provocative comes up and I've built within me, I've conditioned a response that keeps me positioned for success. It doesn't derail me. It doesn't even start to drift me towards that place. I'm able to just hold my ground and continue on the path. And so for me, it's not, I don't want to say that I'm invincible. I don't believe that, but it certainly gives me a higher degree of confidence as I go out into the world, because let's not kid ourselves. These temptations are everywhere, right? And a lot of them are unsolicited and um, it's a really, uh, it's a really empowering feeling. So that's, that's what I love about it. And that confidence seems like one of the major benefits of doing this work. If you can handle really strong emotional triggers or sexual temptations, like what else can you do in your life? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's really boosted my confidence in being able to do other things. Yeah. And I want to talk to anyone who is really struggling right now in the midst of this season. Maybe it's just the holidays or maybe you feel like you've been in an extended season of sexually struggling. I want to remind you, don't view relapse as failure. View it as feedback. You might even view it as that light on the dashboard. Sathya, what would you say to someone who's feeling discouraged right now? It happens. It's okay. Um, that would be a great place to start is why, why do you feel discouraged? Is this, can you talk to the Holy Spirit about it? Um, beyond discouragement, what else are you feeling, right? This is how, this is actually how you get yourself out of these situations. It's not that you just, you know, put a smile on your face and move forward, lean in, lean into what you're feeling. That's your opportunity. And I think the, the second thing I would say to somebody who maybe you feel like you're just eons behind where you want it to be, uh, maybe you've had a major setback or something like that, 
it's one step at a time. It's one day at a time. And I know for me, sometimes I feel overwhelmed. I was actually just talking to my wife about this. I've been feeling super overwhelmed about some things related to deep clean lately because it feels like some of the stuff I'm trying to accomplish is too big. And and if it's too big and it's out of reach, we we tend to feel discouraged. Um, but I'm working with a coach right now who's helping me and he's saying, yeah, we'll get there. I'm sure I'm sure you'll get there, Sathya. But right now, here's the one thing that you want to focus on. And I'm like, oh, I only have to do one thing and not all 70 things. Perfect. Okay, I can do that one thing. And so um, so for you, if you're feeling discouraged, that's your one thing is is embrace that discouragement, lean into it, find out what intel there is for you, and then leverage it and let it leverage you to your next step. Let's go. This is so good. There are so many reasons why this session you're going to lead at the conference coming up. So if you would like to register, it's completely free. Go down to the links below and sign up for the Porn Free Man if you want to become porn free in 2023 and beyond. And Sathya also has an awesome podcast, if you didn't know, that actually comes out daily, which is really unique and I think a huge service. So it's called Unleash the Man Within, and you can find that in the show notes. Sathya, thanks so much for being with us. Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And men of husband material, always remember you are God's beloved son. In you, he is well pleased.